Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. Are you ready? Hello. Welcome to episode 76. This is the crocodile fern today. I wanted to call it this fern specifically because it is so unique compared to a lot of other ferns. Obviously, there are a ton of ferns that look totally different. We've gone over Boston fern. We've gone over maidenhair. We've done rabbit's foot fern. We've done a ton. This one is unique because of the texture and the pattern that it has. So this one has a bunch of leaves that grow up from the center. Those leaves have a texture like a scale of a crocodile, hence the name crocodile fern. As the plant matures, it actually becomes more bumpy and more textured, and the leaves actually become a little bit more rippled. So, really cool plant, but we're going to dive into it. Its signature look is the scaly-looking, almost skin leaves of the plant, and it's the veins kind of in the plant that show that scale, and that's why it looks like that. So, the Latin name for the crocodile fern is Microsorium musifolium, I believe. So, does not sound anything like the name, nor would I ever guess that that's the Latin name for it. So that is the Latin name for it, though. I didn't see a lot of like common other names for this. I've seen like alligator fern, someone called it, but I've only heard it as crocodile fern for the most part. So that's more than likely what you're going to hear it as too, as you're shopping around. From my understanding and what I could find online, there isn't really differences in varieties for the most part. As this matures in your own home, it's probably going to reach about two feet someday way along the way since this is actually a very slow growing plant. In nature, they can get upwards of I found four or five feet when I was doing my research. Other than that, they're going to stay pretty small, fairly small in general. So you can kind of keep these in a very confined area if needed. Plus, they're mostly going to grow outward sideways for the most part. So you got to make sure you have the width to kind of let them grow that way too. So we're going to jump right into the sun and water requirements. So for the sunlight, this lovely fern needs medium light to actually do its best. It can tolerate low light, but I wouldn't recommend it. It really does need a little bit of that light in order to really thrive and grow. Bright indirect light is something you can give it. Medium light is kind of where it thrives though. And direct sunlight is not good. You will end up scorching the leaves or they'll probably turn pale, palish color, kind of like fading color if it's in too much light. So that medium light is like the perfect little spot for it. If you need more help on understanding lighting or you need like you only have low light and you need to grow light or something, I have two episodes on that and blog posts with all the information and links. So if you go to the blog post for Crocodile Fern, those and that information will be there. So medium light, pretty simple, not too complicated, right? It's the watering that makes it more complicated and humidity for the most part. So for water requirements, they do best with medium moisture. It's similar to the last podcast episode with the parlor palm. Honestly, they do need medium light. They don't want to be drenched in water. So make sure you're planting them in a well-draining soil and have kind of a drainage pot for it. That way you're really going to prevent completely that overwatering of the fern in general. So just basically when the top layer of soil is dry is when you can water it. 
It does say to cut back on watering a little bit in winter. That's kind of like with every fern, not every fern, every plant, houseplant for the most part in the winter, they're not producing as many leaves, pushing out as much growth, so they don't need as much nutrients and moisture as they would in the summertime. Plus, usually it's not as warm, or at least by me it isn't. So they're not using as much energy to kind of keep themselves going. That being said, humidity is the part that gets this plant in my mind, to kind of the medium maintenance. It's not low maintenance. It's not high maintenance, but I would say it's medium maintenance because it does need medium to high humidity to really thrive. You're also going to notice if you're not giving it enough humidity or really enough moisture. In my case, I've seen this in my fern. You'll see some browning edges or browning tips um, or browning spots in general. Obviously, overwatering can do something similar, but they'll get kind of crispy if you're doing the underwatering and lack of humidity. So currently, I have mine in my mini IKEA greenhouse because I have a very small, just four-inch plant, and it's doing fine in there. It did have some issues with browning when I didn't have it in the humidity, so I've put it in there to try to help that as well. Obviously, humidifier is going to help if you are able to put a humidifier near it. Misting does help. I would say like an increased misting like twice a day is going to increase humidity. It's not going to do the trick that um, like a terrarium or something like that could do for you, but it can help no matter what. In my opinion, I know there's lots of opinions on that. And then there is another way of doing it and that is a pebble tray below plants and then you kind of fill that up with water. That does help with humidity as well. So, if you can, if you have a little terrarium or you have like an Ikea greenhouse cabinet or something like that, it's probably your best bet. Next to humidifier is the next best thing. And then kind of the layer of tray pebbles or misting it, if that's all you have as well, can work. So to prevent the browning leaves, you do need humidity for this plant. And that is what makes it medium maintenance for me. Okay, we're going to move on to fertilizer propagation and other facts, and then the Instagram Q&A afterwards. Okay, so for fertilizer, nothing crazy here. As I always say, I use Fox Farms Grow Big Liquid Fertilizer. In peak season, I fertilize about every two weeks. Uh, really at the end of February to October, currently I am seeing a lot more new growth on some of my plants. So I've started fertilizing some of them already, actually, and it is beginning of February right now. And I probably only fertilize one more time in winter. I'm using about like half, three-fourths the recommended amount when I am fertilizing. So the Practical Houseplant book did talk about fertilizing. It says apply a half-strength balanced liquid fertilizer once a month from early, I'm sorry, from spring to early fall. Pretty basic, not really complicated for fertilizing. Seems pretty similar to most of your houseplants you're going to be fertilizing. So not too much of a stretch to just fertilize this one normally. I also always say there are tons of fertilizers out there. There are different ways to do it. Do what you're comfortable with. I would just say whatever you choose to use, read the packaging because that's what's going to be able to tell you how to fertilize. Sometimes it's recommended you take a half to three quarter amount of fertilizer compared to the instructions just to make sure you're not over fertilizing your plants. Okay, propagation is also pretty simple. It's division. So you're just dividing the crocodile fern from the root system. So you're not going to be cutting it down the middle like you would like a hosta or an iris or something like that. You would be checking out the root system and pulling apart part of the plant that you can. 
You're going to wait till this is more mature though because you're not going to be able to do it right away obviously and these plants do grow slow. So if you buy a smaller plant it's probably going to be many years before you can actually propagate this thing. So not a lot of people do it I don't think from their home just because it's going to take forever before you can actually see this thing being able to be divided but that is the way you're going to do it. I would also recommend that if you do have a fern or you did get a new little fern the secondary one the newly divided plant is it is going to need more moisture in order to establish itself so just make sure you're being conscious of that as well. All right other facts this is part of the polypodiaceae family This is the family that actually has mostly all medium to small sized fern in it. And from what I see on Britannica's website, it says there's about 1,200 species of those medium to small ferns, which is a lot. This plant is native to mostly Southeast Asia. A couple other websites listed Australia as well. My books did not list that though. So I was kind of flipping through different websites to see what I could find. Southeast Asia was the most common one. Australia came up a couple times as well. I think I said this earlier, but natively these guys can grow up to about four or five feet in the right conditions. But in your house, they're not really going to get any more than two feet, potentially three feet, if you have like the, a lot of humidity and good environment for them. Obviously, they're very slow growing, so it's going to take forever to get that big. So just keep that in mind when you do buy it. It's not going to be your fast growing houseplant. This one's going to be just one you can sit in the corner and it'll stay that size for probably a while. Also, another positive fact about this one is that it is non-toxic to pets. If you want more information, episode 31 has all that along in the blog post. Another fact that I found kind of later online is that these in nature, you may find them as growing epiphytic. So you're going to find them attaching to whatever they can, kind of like a staghorn fern would do too, which by the way, we are going to do soon. (laughs) Um, But they're going to be attaching to the side of a tree or whatever they can find to grow and grab the nutrients from up there. So those are all the other facts I have. We're just going to jump right into the Instagram Q&A because I got some good questions. All right. So as a reminder, the Instagram Q&A is not Instagram specific, but that's where the question box usually ends up. So if you know what the next podcast episode is and you have a question and the question box isn't up on stories, feel free to just message me and say, hey, I know what's coming up. Here's my question. I will screenshot that as well, but I usually try to post this a few times before the next podcast episode and I got four questions this time, which is great. So the first one was what soil is the best? Chunky, Lekka, and then in parentheses, hope not. <laughs> so to be honest, actually, because this is a fern, even though it can, it does have epiphytic tendencies in nature, it actually needs a little bit more hardy soil rather than just Lekka. It's not going to do as well in there because it's not going to retain moisture really at all. So um, the Practical Houseplant book did say something in it, but I found it very not helpful. You want me to read it? Okay. It literally says... Plant this fern in equal mix of aerated and multi-purpose potting soils. That's not helpful. So then I went to my other book, which was The House Plants, A Guide to Choosing and Caring for Indoor Plants by Lisa Eldridge Steinkoff. And this one said a little bit more details. It says, I lost my spot. Plant this fern in a well-drained peat-based potting mix. Keep it evenly moist, but never standing in water. So... All of that means is 
I would not put it in a really, really chunky soil. And I would definitely not put it in LECA, even though it does tend to be epiphytic in nature. In your home, it's going to need to retain a little bit more moisture. So for me, I use Fox Farm Potting Mix, which has a good amount of just soil mixture. It's not really chunky. It has, I think, a little bit of perlite in there. I tend to add more perlite into my soil. And that's all I'm going to do and what all I did when I did plant my crocodile fern. So you could put perlite in your soil. You can find probably a houseplant mix that probably works as well um, if you want to be specific about it. But I don't think you need to be fancy about it at all. If you really want to put some like bark in it, you can. But I would not do just bark, just moss, or like just LECA as its normal soil base, if that makes sense. Eventually, I will do an episode about soil. It is written down. (laughs) So, um, I'm a firm believer and you don't need something fancy in order for your plant to grow, nor do I like adding a million things to my soil. Everyone's different. Some, Some plants need it, sure. I haven't run into a situation, besides orchids really, that they need it. So, I just use potting mix and then I mix in extra perlite for aeration. That's all you need to do. Okay, the next question. Can a crocodile fern be happy with normal household humidity? I really want to say yes to this question. But I'm going to be honest. I did have it in regular household humidity and did literally nothing to it for months. And the leaves and the, the ends turned brown. If you don't mind that happening, then I'd say go for it and try it. But I would say added humidity is necessary. If you don't have the means to have like an Ikea greenhouse or the Ikea cabinet, because I the ca- Ikea cabinets are cool, but I just, I can't do that. <laughs> the mini greenhouses are good because it can sit on a tabletop for me and that's what I have. But if you don't have that option, you don't have a humidifier option based on your house. Misting is the cheapest way to do it as well as the tray of pebbles underneath it. So more than likely, the tray of pebbles with water and pebbles in it is going to give you the more humidity than misting, I would say. If you have the capability of misting a few times a day, that will be good. A mister, you you might be able to find something for like five bucks. Maybe if you get the fancy ones that like spray longer, $10, but then you're just, that's all you have. And it's just your own mechanics of squeezing the bottle. And then the tray You just have to find a tray of some sort. You could probably just use a saucer, honestly. Um, Or if you have like a deep plate or something or a pan even, if you want to keep it like really low cost. Pebbles, you could use like stone or something. You get fancy and buy like those glass, like beads, like the glass, um, what are they called? The only thing I can think of is, I guess they're pebbles or beads at like craft stores you can find them at, like different colors. Um, and then just kind of fill that with water. And as it evaporates, that's the increased humidity. So I want to say yes, but I really don't think they're going to do, they're not going to be happy in household humidity. They'll be the definition of average, like not great, not, not happy <laughs> in regular household humidity. Okay. The next question is, I like the look of this plant, but I feel like it's the type of plant guaranteed to get pests. Love this question because pests are the vein of my existence with a lot of my houseplants, actually, and I deal with them constantly. So 
I feel like it's just a given with houseplants sometimes for me. Granted, I'm sure there's things I could be doing to prevent it more, I'm sure. This is actually a plant that I have not dealt with pests before. And usually, based on the fact that I tend to kind of like leave my plants alone for a few weeks, not look at them before I water them again. Usually sometimes something pops up in between that time. Nothing has happened to this guy. It's actually the lack of humidity and moisture for me that has turned the tips of the leaves brown, which is the main problem with this fern for me. Now, when you search crocodile fern pests online, the number one thing that comes up is scale. So in order to prevent scale, there are a few things you can do. You can obviously use like some kind of insecticide or a systemic insecticide. You know, there's the powder that Bonide sells that you kind of like put on the soil line that helps prevent pests in general. Another thing you can do is when you do water it, water it underneath the sink, get all the nooks and crannies and the leaves wet. That will knock off any bugs that will be on there or prevent them from happening. So there are lots of different ways to kind of prevent that. But when I'm looking it up, scale is the number one that pops up. If you don't know what scale is, I do have a pest podcast episode as well which is episode 33 if you want to hear more about how to treat scale if you do have an issue or other issues as well. But I haven't had a problem with it. And normally I've had problems on a lot of houseplants in the past. Um, So I haven't had an issue with it. I've had it in regular household humidity, no issue. I've also had it in my mini greenhouse for probably about four or five months now and nothing has happened either. So I agree with you that it looks like maybe in the nooks and crannies of this plant there could be issues, but actually this one is one I haven't had problems with. But everyone's environment is different, so I'm not going to guarantee you're not going to get pests, but it's one of those that I haven't had any issues with so far. But scale might be your number one problem if you do get it. Okay, moving on to the last question, and that is advice for growing this in a terrarium. In the parentheses, it says open, not closed terrarium. So no matter what, terrarium, even if it's open, has humidity in there because the moisture is being contained and all the plants are combined really, really, really close together. So I currently have a terrarium, does not have the crocodile fern in it, but what a good idea. Um, (laughs) I currently have one. And even though it's open at the top, everything is so condensed in there that it's making extra humidity. Also, if you're going to be doing that, misting inside of the terrarium pretty frequently maybe once a day um, just getting the leaves the soil line and everything a little bit more moist was definitely going to help with the humidity in the terrarium I would recommend putting things in the terrarium with the crocodile fern that have a like need for moisture so I'm guessing if this is a terrarium, there's not going to be drainage. So you want to make sure you have a plant that needs at least medium moisture, if not more. So that can be things like syngonium. That can be some peperomia. I have one currently, I think two maybe, in my terrarium that are doing really good. Other ferns too. Those are all good options. I previously had polka dot plant in mine as well. There's a ton, a ton of different options. Parlor palm, honestly, is another really good one. So I would make sure you're planting like needing plants in there. Same with lighting as well, depending on where you're putting it. So crocodile fern needs medium light. I would make sure you're putting plants that need just medium light in there or bright indirect. Obviously, the this plant can handle that if need be. So up to you and your situation, what you got going on. But 
I think number one advice is misting every so often is maybe once a day if you can is going to help. I would also recommend planting the plants that are similar in moisture in sunlight. I would also recommend making sure you do have soil that is still draining. That way the soil is not going to hold on to a ton of moisture when there is no drainage option for it. And the last thing I actually recommend is when you do plant all of this together, I'd recommend putting a small layer of moss on the top of the soil. When you're misting and watering, that moss is going to absorb the moisture and it's going to cause even more humidity in there, even though it is an open terrarium. So eventually I'll do a podcast episode on terrariums too. I only have my one small one, so I'd like to experiment a little bit more, but I do have a really cool book that my brother-in-law got me a while ago with a bunch of cool um, options and different ways to do it. So we're definitely going to dive into that someday, but that is my recommendation, the few things to think about as you're doing it. Otherwise, make sure you're following me on all of the social media. Instagram is where I'm most active, but I am on Facebook and I do have Pinterest as well. Not as active on there as I'd like to, but I'm getting there. Otherwise, I do send out a bi-monthly newsletter. It actually just came out beginning of February recently. The next one will be coming out in April. So make sure you subscribe to that because it's more information and you actually know ahead of time what podcast episodes are coming out. So you could ask your questions up front. Otherwise, hope you guys love this episode and go buy a crocodile fern. If you have other questions, let me know. Otherwise, I'll talk to you next time. Well, hello. Obviously, it's me again at the end of here. Um, I just wanted to let you know that this episode was really fun because I got a ton of questions on it. I freaking love when you guys ask questions for podcast episodes. It makes me think of different things that I usually don't put in the podcast episodes, like soil. I don't usually mention because I don't change up my soil very often. That's a great question. Household humidity. Also a great question. I did go over that, but still over explaining that more is so much more helpful that specific question. Pests, I usually don't go over pests because it kind of is really dependent on the environment and the plant. So that's also a great question. And terrarium, I mean, guys, you nailed it with the questions. I don't, you could have asked what kind of sunlight this plant needed and I would be so happy. So thank you for submitting your questions to those who did. The next podcast episode is super fun and I'm really excited for it. It is not a plant bio. It is going to be called ways to hang your house plants. So this is going to be a really fun episode to try to research and get pictures for the blog because I realize I currently, because I'm in my mother-in-law's house, I don't really have plants that are hanging currently. So I only have plants that are on shelves and stuff. So I'm going to grab a ton of links from like Amazon, plant shops, all that stuff. I'm going to try to go to a couple plant shops and see how they have things hanging. I'm going to get recommendations from you guys, what you guys do. So in the Q&A that I'm going to do for this round, it is going to be questions for sure, but I also want recommendations, product links, and what you guys are doing with hanging plants as well. So let me know. I'm going to have come with a ton of options and a ton of great ideas as well, tools, all that good stuff. So that is the next episode. I'm really looking forward to what you guys have and the ideas you have or even the questions you have in general. So make sure you're asking your questions this time around and that podcast episode will come out Tuesday, February 21st. 
Also, the blog is going to have a ton of links that I'm going to be talking about in the next podcast episode. So that'd be another great one to reference if you want to go shopping, all off recommendations and stuff. So make sure you're checking it out. Otherwise, hope you guys have a wonderful week. I'll see you on social media. Until then, bye-bye.